We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle as we try to gather our bearings. I'm Mike Mercado, and it was a seismic few days in the NFL, to say the least. And while there have been some crazy shakeups around the National Football League, we're going to get to all that to help guide us through the nonsense, the confusion, some of the surprise moments at Hallis Hall is one of our favorites in the entire industry. He is our brother. He is Josh Falkulter. You know you've seen all his work at Heavy.com, on Last Word on Sports, on Soaring Down South. Uh, you check him out every Sunday every, uh, at Bears games. You see him at Hallis Hall. He's at Clocker Sports, Triple Zero. He's everywhere. He's even making sure he's a five-star chef. He's an astronaut and an engineer. Josh, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. That was a heck of an introduction. If I could do those last few things, man, uh, I might not have time for this. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have to deal with having to wait to, uh, what, a six-hour day at Hallis Hall just between Matt Eberflus, Ryan Pulse, and even Kevin Warren making an appearance. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go in that order, going through each person's mindset and what your thoughts were from the last few days of the Chicago Bears and the painting the picture of this, that Luke Getzey is gone, no longer the offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. They will retain Matt Eberflus for another season. Ryan Poles, they make that decision now, linked to the hip with a Matt Eberflus. And let's start there. Your initial thoughts, your gut reaction, your first reaction when you saw the news kind of trickle down, when the murmurs were starting to come to your cell phone that there were changes being made, but it was at the OC position and at the HC position. Validation, um, because I've been... Uh, steady in my reporting all season about how steady the locker room has been in what they've said. And I've often pointed that back to Eberflus's influence um, from quotes from Jaquan Brisker, Justin Fields noting the 200 rule that they had implemented um, and just things like that that came about un, un uh, they weren't asked, right? They just come, they brought those out by themselves. And I thought that that stood out to me throughout the year as they were going through some of those trying times. And I actually, when the words started coming out before we actually got to hear from them directly, um, I wrote about that for Clocker Sports that what probably saved Matt Eberflus was that influence in the locker room. And the opposite was probably true for Luke Getze. Come to find out that was the case. They were talking about how uh, Brian Poles did, how he was impressed with Eberflus's steady hand and ability to keep things on track throughout the tumult uh, of the season. And then conversely, you heard the uh, continued I guess a disappointment in what the offense failed to become. And that was something that was a threat consistently on, on a play to play basis, not just week to week, but even in games, you saw sometimes they would just seem like they forgot their way. Um, and so when you have a guy like DJ Moore come out and say, you know, what kind of offense are we going to be when you have Justin Fields comments earlier in the season, which I don't think were an attack, but were very telling when he said coaching was kind of bogging, bogging him down on the field. Um, and then, Pair that with what we saw in the back half of last season. The fact that it took so long to get the offense rolling into this season, I think was probably put Luke Getzey behind the eight ball even before this was a real conversation. So, Josh, this is where I'm at, right? And I've been trying to exercise these sports meatball demons where I'm trying to be objective. And I'm also trying to understand that I am a fan. I don't have to always be objective. But just my thinking of this Head coach, you're bringing in this head coach, right? You didn't fire him. And I understand I'm somebody who's always argued that stability matters. You don't want to be this organization that has turnover and turnover and turnover at GM and head coach. How can you ever build the foundation? But how do they make amends to not being prepared week one against Green Bay for having the type of showing, mind you, with the injuries they did against Green Bay to end the season? The 30-point blowouts against Kansas City and just understanding that 
Matt Eberflus was giving a, a raw deal that first year when it was a total deconstruction of the team. But how is Matt Eberflus with a straight face, at least with this, uh, when you see guys like Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll gone and, you know, Nick Saban's retiring, just Mike Vabrell is gone and just the coaches that are no longer head coaches in the NFL, that we're talking about stability and we're talking about keeping a locker room, but not being prepared at certain games and dumb penalties and you having to fire your defensive coordinator during the season and you've had to fire now your offensive coordinator there. How do they make amends to that? Oddly, they've uh and, and to each one of those things individually, they've responded by saying that they are happy with how they responded to those things. So they're they've been very actionary in that sense. Um, and I agree with you. A lot of those are troubling signs, especially the coordinator, the personnel that ha have had to come in and out of that building in the past couple of seasons. Um, understandably, that first season was a, a bit of a crapshoot because they did actively tear the roster down to the studs. So if you don't want to hold that against him, fine. Um, I do hope that people are applying that logic universally across you know including justin fields um but at the same time you still do have those players who back matt eberflus you had montez sweat given an emphatic oh, i love eberflus you have uh players who and i know it seems corny to everybody in the outside but when you talk to the players and you see their reactions when talking about the nicknames and the bonding type of things that they have going on when their emotion shows that kind of 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 uh connection to the head coach it's more understandable now whether that's the right or wrong decision, I don't know. It's a very Bears avenue to go, especially when you mention all the change. I think I tweeted that out, that it's, it's you know, in, in a season where we're seeing uh, head coaches with very uh, hefty cachet getting let go and stepping back. Matt Eberflus seems like the Teflon Don right now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things where I guess you have to, like you said, you have to do step away from the fandom side of it and kind of step into in the locker room and how that, you know, how that, and again, I've applied the same logic to what they're going to do with Justin Fields. And so if we'll, if it plays out how I think it's going to go there, then I will definitely know that they are definitely trying to be a, a player centric organization. So then do you give an extension to Matt Eberflus in the hopes of being able to solidify the offensive coordinator position that it isn't just a lame duck coach that if we are going to draft Caleb Williams or we're going to keep Justin Fields, we'll talk about that in a second. Just this idea though, we're, it's some kind of lore that we're bringing an OC that can develop and maybe build up his resume opposed to what might happen now where it, it, it might be the hottest seat in the NFL and you might bring in Waldron from Seattle or somebody else and name one of the other coordinators that is comfortable enough or has been in the league long enough where it really doesn't matter. But I mean, do you, where, do you think that that's maybe a way they're going to go that just to extend him or, or do you think they're just going to let it right out into next season? They didn't sound as though they were looking to extend him right now. Now, that's, again, my perception from things that they didn't say exactly. Uh, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me, given Poles is saying that he will work closely with Iberflus on this offensive coordinator hire to find someone that could replace Iberflus if things don't go well going into next season. That's my, I guess, tinfoil hat theory that this next this hire, and that's what I wrote about in the article, this is probably the most important hire of Poles' tenure just because this guy could theoretically be the next uh, head coach Coach, if you hit this pick, right, you like what you've gotten from Matt Eberflus, but we don't know if that's sustainable because turnovers are a fluky stat. Um, injuries and things of that nature always impact that kind of stuff. Um, um, so this offensive coordinator, you don't want to risk losing him, but you want a guy that can come and develop, like you said, Fields or whoever. And so if you nail this hire, just don't be surprised if this is the guy that starts getting whispers for the head coaching spot if the Bears falter out of the gates next season.
And it just goes back to all the what you just said, the bare dumb of it, where it's always the GM can't hire the coach or the coach is here when the new GM gets here. And then let's say this is Justin Fields. This is another an offensive coordinator he has to go through. Let's say it is Drake May or it is Caleb Williams. And it doesn't work this year. It's going to be a new coaching staff the following year. And it's just such a Bears way for this to go down. And I want to, you know, make sure everybody follow. Make sure you guys are following Josh on Twitter at Josh G. Buck and Clocker Sports and all the other amazing stuff. We'll we'll talk about it throughout the uh, the entire season of the NBA because we got to talk story down south stuff because Atlanta, Chicago, craziness in the Eastern Conference. But um, the players, you've always said they've never lost the locker room and that they're very united. And I think your videos and your interviews and the times you're at Hallisaw and at, at the locker room after the game, it shows that. But I want to pivot a little bit to the other guy who was at this press conference in Ryan Poles. And this is a guy who, for the second straight year, has a number one pick. But this year's a little bit different, in my opinion. This is my thesis, Josh, and tell me what you think. The adage, scared money doesn't make money. We already know that the head coach is on the hot seat on some level. We already know that there's a lot of foundational shaking going on on what might the next few years be. If Ryan Poles goes into this draft and doesn't select a quarterback, but stockpiles a bunch of picks and gets a Marvin Harrison or one of these stud receivers and an edge rusher and goes into trusting Matt Eberflus and a Justin Fields and you win seven games again, the chances of you getting... The third opportunity to pick a quarterback is not happening this league. How often does a general manager get the chance to pick the unabashed number one quarterback two times in a row and misses on it? Not just misses, doesn't take a swing at it. I think it's, as much as I like Justin, it's foolish to believe this Bears team is not going to pick quarterback at number one. While it might be very alluring to pick a lot of draft picks, it makes no sense for Ryan Post to have all of them if he's not going to be able to use them if you make the wrong choice. Hearing what Ryan Pulse had to say, being in the locker room, feeling the vibes at Hallis Hall, what does your gut say after you heard him at that press conference about Justin Fields? We know he, how he feels about Jalen Johnson. We know he's going to take care of him. But this move right here, where are you landing on the GM and the QB of the Chicago Bears? So he was very clear to say that he will remove the emotion of the player sentiment from his decision somewhat. He said it will it'll factor in, but he's had to separate that somewhat when he tries to make the best decision for the franchise, which 100%, if he wasn't, he wouldn't be doing his job. Um, at the same time, I have to look at the rest of his moves, the trade for Montez Sweat, the inking of a veteran in Andrew Billings, the talk of bringing back a Jalen Johnson. Um, and then you marry that with the strong sentiments, not just sentiments, but strong, overwhelming support for Fields, the strong, we don't want to take a step back sentiments from that locker room. And while it doesn't have to be that with a rookie quarterback, I will point the other side. How often does the number one quarterback pan out, let alone for the original team that drafted him? Right. How often has the best quarterback not gone number one last year? That pick was supposed to be Bryce Young. CJ Stroud sure enough looks the best out of that class. So I will just sit, simply say that while he can go either way here and I think you can make a case for him to go any direction. Um, I think the, the my gut tells me that it. I don't know if he's even settled. I think he is. And I would lean towards fields coming back. That's my Deep, deep, deep gut. But I also think that if the right offer comes along for either one of those things, fields or the pick, he's going to entertain it to the point where it could sway his mind. It is one of the most fascinating 
moments in Chicago sports when you really try to just break down all the different scenarios, the multiverses that can happen because you can make a strong argument on why Matt Eberflus did get a raw deal and should be given one more season. You can make the most valid of cases of why Justin Fields should be QB1 going into next season. You can also make an argument about Caleb Williams or Drake May or any of these other quarterbacks later on in the first round. There is so many different ways that this organization can go, but they have to get it right. And I trust Ryan Poles in a lot of different ways. Cause I, like you mentioned that Montez sweat deal. I, I And it's funny because people want to hang chase Claypool on him. And I agree. It was a bad move period, but I don't condemn him for making the move. It made sense at the time. When you look at what free agency was the next year and the attributes of chase Claypool, but I'm going to give him the pass in that sense. So we kind of have an idea that we, he's going to be very aggressive and he's going to go and check out all the different avenues. But there's one more person on this podium that we saw at Hallis Hall. And that's Kevin Warren. And look at I and I've listened to all the smart football people, the smart journalists, the smart sports people, just people who maybe even listen and watch from the sidelines that don't necessarily have an investment. And the one thing I've really come together, and I want to know your thoughts on this, Josh, especially being there. We put a lot on Kevin Warren. We put a lot of our own insecurities and wants and needs onto him when none of that was ever promised. He never promised us certain changes or certain kind of deliveries that we were looking for. This is a guy that's had a lot of success, but a lot of it has been business success, which is still super neat, especially when you're trying to build a brand new stadium. But Josh, am I crazy to believe that Kevin Warren is going to let, and maybe this isn't a bad thing or a good thing, but he's just going to let football people do the football things. And his job is to make sure the bears are profitable and that they get a brand new stadium with the best possible deal. No, I, he's definitely going to have, I don't want to say he's going to put his thumb on the scales in the football side, but he will have input on the football side to make sure things are running the way his vision sees fit. Um, he was very clear about letting those guys do their jobs, uh, but he also was clear about his vision and, and being deliberate uh, and patiently impatient, I want to say, are the two things that he he mentioned the most uh, during his presser. And so uh, when you speak to the sentiment part of things, I asked him about watching that game against the Packers because they showed him in the booth and on the camera a few times and he had the same look that I'm sure a lot of Bears fans had. So I just asked him where his head was for that and he kept talking about a, a third year leap and the third year being critical for a, t a franchise to take that that big next step. So I asked him, you know, where were your thoughts at in relative in relation to the Bears taking that leap? And he broke out in on his own the sentiment of not taking off that the strap that they give you when you go into the stadium until I think the day before he had the presser. So he 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 made that connection already and he said that it to him felt more like the a uh, good start towards the 2024 season because it gave them a better idea of where they were. Remember, they came into that game riding high. They had came into the they're coming to the season riding high and then got smacked in the mouth by Green Bay faltered throughout the year, found their stride, and then got smacked in the mouth again in a way that it just seemed like it was insurmountable. So to him, it let him know they could be proud of where they've come, but they have so much more distance to cover before he gets there. And so he's going to be patiently impatient and deliberate. However, he will uh, uh, make sure that the, the football side gets on track as well. So I, I wouldn't be worried that he's just there like a, in a Ted Phillips-esque type of capacity. This is why I think the Chicago Bears media is the best sports media 
uh, full of journalists in the world because you guys bring a lot of these questions and whatnot and and a lot of what we're thinking from outside of Hallis Hall to the forefront and bringing out these quotes and getting these quotes from them. I think the one thing I take from it, besides having great journalists like yourself and some of the others that we all of them that are in that locker room. Uh, I hate that the Bears are constantly crowning themselves and giving themselves applause for overcoming their own mistakes. That's the one thing I just can't ever get over when it comes to the frustration, rubbing my head, just putting the, the idea that, hey, I shot myself in the foot and I taught myself how to walk again. It's like, it's that with the Chicago Bears. But Josh, uh, this has been amazing. This is, everybody knows you're one of the goats when it comes to this, one of the up and comers that has gone to new levels since we first started this journey. And now that we hit the very end of the season, it just got started again. You know, like there was no time to rest. So the last thing uh, I'll leave you with this, Josh, and then we'll plug everything is uh, two scenarios. I think that that have to play out right for for Justin Fields lovers first is that they trade down one or twice. They get their receiver, a stud receiver, whoever it is, you input it. Everybody wants, you know, junior, but it could be any one of the other studs. There's plenty of them. They get their edge rusher. Then you just get him some offensive line help. Try to get a center. You, you build that defense. You try go do that. Go all in on it and also extend him. Get that done with. Know what you're messing with in your payroll and, and your salary cap and what your team is going to look for for the next three to four years because the Montez Sweat deal is your window. That is how long you have if you think you're competitive. So that's plan A. Plan B, if you're – you should have blown up the whole thing coaching staff, but if you're going to go with the quarterback, don't falter. Just pick, live with it, and go. And then go get a, a receiver and free agency that is a veteran like a T. Higgins, that type. Give him as much veteran surrounding as you can. And I think there's something to this guy from a, like a Waldron, right, the offensive coordinator from Seattle where it's – Hey, look what he did with Gino. Imagine what he could do with either the number one pick or Justin Fields. So I think the roster is good. And there is a way for this to work out to nine to 10 wins, but it better work out to nine to 10 wins. Any final thoughts, Josh? Yeah. So working backwards from this, the Waldron point, I actually tweeted out a post about the numbers in his three seasons at the helm there in, uh, or at, at OC there in Seattle and they're not great. So um, anybody that's expecting a miracle turnaround because of his, his potential addition, just be you know prepared to have maybe some flashes, but it won't reach the highest that I think some of the hype has reached, especially around a guy like Gino, who was a very strong uh, uh, feather in his cap. No, don't get me wrong there. Um, elsewhere though, I think the bears need another receiver. I think you need at least a center, if not another tackle, because I'm not sure how they feel about Braxton Jones. I think I like Jones. I think he needs to get a lot stronger because that the bull rush is still giving a problem in the false starts. I think it's why you see that because he's not strong enough to hold up against some of the point of attack stuff. Um, but we know that Poles also is a guy who's gotten, I, I want to say, stronger in his second time around doing things. Um, he has repeatedly mentioned a trade that didn't work out for him. And I, I, he's never said it specifically, but I think it's the Claypool trade. That would be the one that stands out the most <laughs> to anybody. But he's talked about how much it's taught him. He says that that taught him more, while he also noted that the passing up on CJ Stroud didn't really teach him anything, which I took that as a sign of, no, we kind of knew this would be what CJ could do. We just have, you know, reasons to not take him. So, um, those three things there, it's it's shaping up to me to be, like I said, a, a situation where you try to maximize the talent around Justin Fields. And while we all have crowned uh, uh, Caleb Williams the next GOAT, you know, before he's even touched the football field in the NFL, that label comes around far more often than we want to admit. And so I'm pretty sure Poles is like, listen, if I'm not completely convinced on this kid, I'm not too worried about having to find the next GOAT. Because especially if I build up the rest of this 
roster and I can drop in. If it's not a rookie, it'll be a veteran who wants to be traded to a new situation. So Poles is sitting literally in the king's seat right now. He just has to go ahead and, and like you said, be decisive in his moves. So what are your thoughts about Larsa Pippen and Marcus Jordan? <laughs> Josh Buckholzer. You can check out all his work all over the internet. Make sure he is on heavy.com. Last word on sports. Of course, soaring down south. NBA, it's in full swing. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And of course, Clocker Sports and Triple Zeros. NFL playoffs are here, and the Chicago Bears are going to be active. We will find out what's going to be the move at the offensive coordinator, and every day we get closer to the NFL draft, and there's only one person you want to be tuned into when it comes to in the locker room, talking to these players, and having the pulse of the team is Josh Ballculter. Josh, uh, did we miss anything? Is there any other thing you want to want to plug, my friend? No, you got it all. Man, run up the YouTube, guys. Cocker Sports uh, on YouTube. Run that up. We got it. We'll tag them up there to make sure you guys link it below. And uh, Josh, you're the best. Thank you so much. Great job. And uh, yeah, you go to take the seven minute nap that you get once a day because uh, you got to go uh, ring of honor ceremony. You got to go cover for the Bulls. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Anytime. He's, he's the best. He's Josh Buckholzer. I'm Mike Mercado. We got more coming up next.